Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. My name is Daniel, for those of you who don't know, and um, today we're going to continue in the book of Acts, which is absolutely powerfully amazing book. Um, so what we need to understand about the book of Acts is the book of Acts is the book about us, the body of Christ. It's the birthplace of the body of Christ. Sure, it's about the, the um, Acts of the Apostles, but it's actually a, a promise from God that he was going to work through mankind to see his kingdom come. And the book of Acts is a birthplace of that. And it's, and it's jam-packed full of standard, normal, everyday human beings doing amazing things because God promised that that's what he would do. It's a, it's a, when you think about it, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that goes over a head that the God of the creator of the heaven and the universe uses us to perform his miracles and his desire on the earth. And the book of Acts is the explosion of that, if you will. So I was up here about a month ago and what we talked about then is we talked about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom works from God through us. For those of you that were here, you might remember if you weren't, um, you can look on uh, those YouTube clips and you'll be able to go back and find it. Now, the only reason that's important is because we're going to continue a little bit of that today in saying this, what Jesus did when he came back as a representative for God, for man, and a representative for man, for God, was he drew a line in the sand and he said, okay, this is it. From here on in, any mistakes that have been made by mankind as a, as, as a representative of Adam and Eve, I'm now drawing a line in the sand and now mankind is represented by me. And I have all power and all authority. And I'm here to outwork my father's plan. And we're gonna, I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I don't want to do that because we're going to break this down. But we are now the body of Christ. We are now that vehicle in which God gets his will done on earth. So Adam and Eve were, were created by God as a representation of God. And God said, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to rule and reign and go into all the earth. You have authority over the whole earth. And we know that they fell and in the fall they lost their authority and there was this, um, now this struggle of good and evil. And we know that Satan, who the Bible calls the, the ruler of this world, the ruler of this age. And then God, though, God didn't change his mind. He still wants man to represent him. He still wants man to have the authority to be able to out, outperform his works. And so Jesus, who the Bible calls the last Adam, says, okay, this is it. From here on in, you're no longer represented by Adam and sinfulness. You are now represented by me and righteousness. And that's why he says that you can ask anything in my name and it will be done. Not because you're a good person, because he is a good person. And you are in him if you accept him. So the book of Acts is the actual promise of this thing starting to really get legs and take shape. Instead of one man, Jesus, now he is all men 
the body of Christ. You understand? And it's really important that we understand this because we have to understand that the power that Jesus has, we have. He lives in us as the body of Christ. Okay, so let's look at this. Ephesians 1, 18 to 23 says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power and his mighty strength that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but in the age to come. Listen to this. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him the head over everything for the church. You're the church. He appointed everything in Jesus' control, every authority, every principality, every power, and he put it all under Jesus' feet for you. That's what it says. And it goes on to say that he placed all things under his feet and pointed him head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do you know why the enemy doesn't want you to feel crash hot about yourself? Because it pleased God that you were the fulfilment of God's body on earth. It's Jesus working through us. And we're going to talk about this now. We're going to, we're going to go, okay, well, what does this look like? Because what we do see is we see supernatural things happening. Now, who knows that... It's been a long time since I've seen a human being walk on the water. Anybody? Let me know if you have. That's cool because I'd, like I'd like to know. Um, but, and also it's been a long time, to be honest, if I am honest, that I've seen the dead raised, the, the, the sick healed and all of those cool things. Except the Bible talks about it so much through the Bible and it says that we can do those things. But who knows that human beings can't do them? Human beings can't do those things no matter how good they are. They just can't do it. But what we do have is a promise in God that somehow, some way, God would work through us to do those things. Now, it blows our mind a bit and we don't quite understand it, but it's in there. And so what we start to see in the book of Acts is normal people doing supernatural things. What we don't want to make a mistake about in the book of Acts is that thinking that it's about dead people. It's not. It's about a living word and an active body. The book of Acts is about us. It's about the church. It's about the body of Christ. It's not about Peter and Paul and all those awesome apostles. They just paved the way. They were just vehicles and vessels just like we're vehicles and vessels. They were the body of Christ just like we're the body of Christ. The book of Acts is for us. It's for us. There's promises in there. There's examples in there. There's um, testimony in there. There's encouragement in there. And that's what we're going to try to drill into today. So one of the main things that we see when we see the book of Acts is the supernatural um, things that start to happen. So how does God work through us? How do normal men and women do supernatural things? We know that they receive the Holy Spirit, but so have we. Haven't we? Is it a different Holy Spirit? 
Bible doesn't say that there is, is it because they spent physical time with Jesus? That would make some sense. Well, let's have a look at John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anybody that believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So Jesus knocks that one on the head. Here we see that Jesus says that anybody that believes in me will do the works because that's actually what the body of Christ is about. We are the body of Christ. Did they, did they get to a certain level of perfectional holiness, holiness or enlightenment? That's probable. Um, lots of religions talk about enlightenment. Galatians 3.5 says this, La, um, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believed in the message you heard about Christ. Your power comes through what you believe and what you allow through, um, through faith into your life. Did they reach a level of faith that unlocked God's power? That again is probable. Matthew 17 says this, well, Jesus says this, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out, the demon? And he replies, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So although Jesus does tie faith and, and outward action, he also says that you need about that much of it. And so there's a conundrum there, isn't there? Because we've all got at least that or a bit more and we're going we're gonna to expand on this because it's not just that we're a bunch of dirty, unbelieving people or anything like that. There's a, there's a connection here that we want to get to because God works through human beings. We know that. That's a truth, isn't it? Well, can he work through us? Is he working through us? Yes. Do we see the fulfilment and the fullness of him working through us? Not quite. And that's cool because it's what we just call a gap. And a gap is between what God says and what we live. And what I want us to remember is there's a, a something that we should always keep in the back of our mind and it's this, it's not over yet. Faith is a journey. As long as you don't give up in the middle, the Bible talks about us um, reaping a harvest if we do not give up, if you hold on and our life's not over yet. We've got many, many, many amazing things to come in God if we hold on in faith. Okay, so how does it work? So we want to do, to, to investigate this further, I want to have a look at the life of Peter. So as a disciple, we see Peter as a strong leader. He's always in the middle of what's going on. He loved Jesus and often speak about this. Jesus included him in the most important moments of his ministry. He was the first to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. He was the only human being other than a deity to walk, to walk on water which is pretty cool. He's a leader of the church and the first to speak up after the day of Pentecost. By all accounts, he was a very strong, astute leader. So is this what it takes? Is this what it takes for God to finally decide to work through us? Because what we also see in Peter is that he was hot-headed, impulsive, and one of the disciples Jesus rebuked for his lack of faith. We see that although he was 100% committed to Jesus and swore that he would defend him to the end, he was actually unfaithful to Jesus and was so strong in his denial that he actually called curses down upon himself just to make sure that everybody knew that he never ever knew this fella. Then let's fast forward into the book of Acts to chapter, um, chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. So this is after Peter's 
lowest moment where he realised just how much of a human being he was, just how fragile he actually was after every promise that he made, Jesus. And then not only did he not live up to that promise, he actually denied him and called curses upon himself. Now, fast forward, I'm not sure exactly how long, but it's not far. When Peter and John were about to enter the tabernacle, this is a story about them entering the tabernacle, um, there, was a, there was a guy there who was lame from birth, and this is where the, the story kicks off. When Peter and John entered, um, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him and said to, um, and as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping and praising God. So what had changed? Peter the big mouth, Peter, the, you know, the strong leader, but Peter, the weak, who had just as many weaknesses and frailties as us. We kind of try to put these people on pedestals, but they're just humans. And then we see um, other times and examples where they couldn't do things that Jesus was doing, and Jesus actually gets a bit frustrated with them at certain stages, and that was that scripture we read before. He actually said, how long am I going to be with you, Lot? I'm not going to be here forever. Bring them to me. And so Jesus is getting cranky because human beings can't do supernatural things. It's a bit crazy. You know, what about the time where Jesus calms the sea and they all say, wow, what's going on? And he said, yeah, you have little faith. As though Jesus expected them to believe that a human being could calm the sea. You know, there's this expectation in God that we would catch up to what he's trying to do. And we see here Peter catching up. How? How did he go from being such a failure to, next thing you know, raising um, people up that were lame from birth? Let's have a look. So when he saw Peter about to enter, we talked about that. Um, so what we see is, is what Peter says next. Peter talks about something that's key to what has shifted in his mindset. Let's have a look at this. Peter started to think, that maybe this doesn't have much to do with me. Maybe this has more to do with the name of Jesus who drew a line in the sand and said, hey, wait a second, I'm going to be a representative of mankind now and you can come through me and I've got direct link to the Father as do you and anything you ask for in my name, I will give it to you because it will give glory to the Father. And Peter started to see that actually maybe it's not my performance, maybe it's his performance. And how do we know this? Well, let's have a look at what he says. If you go to um, that scripture up there, which I'm getting a bit lost up here. All right, so so how do we know this? Because Peter tells us. All right, it says this in verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them this, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you that a human being can raise a sick person from their whatever, walking when they weren't before? Um, he says, 
Why why do you stare at us as though it's by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? You hear what he's saying? He's going, well, firstly, you should expect that this would happen. And secondly, that you shouldn't look to us as though we're special or it's our power or it's our godliness. But what we see, if we're going to reverse back a couple of months or whatever it was, Peter had full faith in his own goodness, didn't he? Didn't he have full faith in his own faithfulness toward Jesus because he loved him so much and everybody will leave you, Jesus, but I never will? Now, that was sincere and he was honest about that and he really believed that. But the problem is we are frail and we change our mind and we get scared and we doubt and we fear. And so we need a perfect representative, somebody who never fails, who is never in fear and who is never in doubt. What is his name? That is why we are represented by him. And when we take our focus off us and we put it on him, things start to move. Because don't forget, this is a promise. You are the body of Christ. Jesus doesn't have another body. He doesn't have another way. We are the way that God gets things done on earth. You aren't the way that he gets things done on earth. But that's a good thing because that means the pressure's off. You can be frail as long as you run to him. You can be fearful as long as you go to him. You can have questions as long as he answers them. You can have lack as long as he fills it. Whenever Jesus is your all in all, you are going to start to perform the works of him who fills you up. But when you are like Peter and it's all about you and your performance and you and your fears and you and your doubts and you and your insecurities, that is where you will stay. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the way it is. Jesus is perfect. We are not. Okay, let's have another look at what he says here. So Peter now recognises that godliness, his godliness and his power isn't a factor. It is not the factor. So listen to what he goes on to say. In verse 13, he says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy One, the Righteous One, and asked him to be, that he be murdered, sorry, that a murderer would be released to you instead. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. By faith in this name of Jesus, the man who you see now has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed this man, as you can see. So what has Peter now got his faith in? Completely in Jesus and what Jesus has done. That he, Jesus, Paul Peter now recognised that that line that Jesus drew in the sand that said, no, now my people can have strength where they only had weakness. Now my people, and this is why we've got to be important to not think of the book of Acts or any other book like it's in the past and old stories and old people that have done cool things. We are the body of Christ. The book of Acts was the birthplace of the body of Christ. When Jesus drew a line in the sand and he said, now my people can be strong where they're only weak, he's talking about you. 
when we talked before in that scripture we read before, it said that, that, that God has given Jesus authority over every principality and power. What did it go on to say? For the church. Who's the church? You're the church. You're the church as long as you remain in him. As long as you remain in him. So if you, if you want to concentrate on your weaknesses, that's fine. But you won't bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. That's what it talks about to live by faith and not by... Because if you live out of your own self, it's as though God doesn't exist. Although you believe in him, it's as though he doesn't exist. Because you're living out of your own self. So if you want to let your fear and your doubt and your disappointment all build up to tell you that, oh, yeah, you're not worthy or God will work for them but not for me, you're selling yourself short and you're selling God short because he called you into his body. This is why the Bible talks a lot about being an heir. Now, when you become an heir, that is because you just belong. That's because you're part of the family. That's a birthright. It's not because of performance. And this is what the Bible is continually trying to bring us up to speed on. You are an heir. You you are in the body of Christ through grace. I called you. You didn't call me. All of these things, as Jesus saying, you haven't earned this position that I've given you, but now that you're in this position, I expect you to work from it. I expect you to work out of this position. But if you step out of that position and say, oh, yeah, but I'm only, what happens? It's not as if God disowns you. God said he won't disown you. But you're stepping out of that power that God wants to powerfully work through you, not because you're a bad person, but because you're meant to live by faith and not by sight. And that's why our emotions are, are, are real and they're true, but they can't be central because our emotions will show us how we feel and it'll tell us what we think, and it'll explain what we see, and it'll filter what we hear, but it's not truth. It's emotion. What the Bible says is that lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight. Again, it's a reminder, hey, hey, I understand, and I feel for for you, but I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. And I promise to give you all authority and all power. And you can pray for anything in my name and I will give it to you. Jesus is trying to remind us of our responsibility in this partnership of grace. So the first question we'd say is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? The next question we're going to ask is, what is your faith in? So this is a really important one as we finish. Listen to what Peter says now. So this is Peter's gospel. Listen to what he says now. We've got, where is your faith? So where is your faith? Is it on Jesus or is it on you? Is it on, I prayed for five minutes this morning, I'm doing really well. God, now you have to listen to what I'm saying. Or is it on the fact that you've actually been asked to pray? And Jesus says this, he says, you don't even know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit has come to help you with that. So that's not even something that we can hang our hat on. Every single thing that we have in God, we need from God. This is why Jesus says, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. If you do not, you will not. 
But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. What he's saying is as long as you remain in me and I'm central, you will bear fruit. You won't be able to help yourself. It'll happen. But if you don't abide in me and my words, if your feelings and your emotions and all the things that come against you mean more to you than the truth of my word, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you, your sins are forgiven, that you, um, you have the fullness of the deity dwelling in you, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. If you allow those things to be your bedrock, Jesus says, if you allow my, me and my word to abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Now listen to what Peter says. This is Peter's gospel after Acts. It says this, Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those, which is you, who through the righteousness of God and our Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace is received through knowledge. And then the knowledge that you understand has to be either accepted or denied. So Peter says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge that you have in Jesus Christ. So according to the knowledge that you have and according to the knowledge that you're accepting and that you're willing to hold on to, because remember, this is what the, the, the parable of the soil is about, if you remember. And we talked about this a bit before. There's four soil types, one perfect seed. Jesus, um, the, Jesus talks about God spreading the seed, which is His Word, over the four soil types. Now his word's called incorruptible and unperishable, but the four soil types, only one bears fruit. Which one bears fruit? The one that accepts his word. The one that takes his word on, the one that takes his knowledge on. Grace and peace is you bearing fruit because you believed it would happen before it happened. Grace and peace is yours in abundance if you will fight for it from a position of faith in Jesus Christ because He's full of grace and He's full of peace. And when your peace is stolen, you're meant to say, no, not on my watch. Because Jesus said, hey, just as an example, peace is only an example. All of everything we receive from Jesus is done through faith. But just as an example, Jesus says, hey, my peace I leave you with you, my peace I give you, Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. What's the enemy of peace? Fear, trouble. But when you stand in fear and you stand in trouble and you believe Jesus' words anyway, that is when you fight for what is rightfully yours as an heir. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge. And this is what he means by that. Then he goes on to say, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. You see the trend? So life and peace has been given to us everything that we need for life and godliness, but it's through our knowledge, through the knowledge we know, through the knowledge we accept through faith. Remember, this is Peter, the bloke who bailed on Jesus. Um, And he goes, who called us, he called you, you didn't call him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Remember, Peter didn't raise that old bro up because he was good. He did it because Jesus was good. And this is what he goes on to say. He said, he's called us, God has called us by his own glory and goodness, not by ours, 
So you're off the hook. You've got to be honourable and you've got to love God and you've got to be faithful and you've got to be pure and you've got to be true. You'd be, you'd be very, very stupid not to do that. If you have a gift of God, why would you throw it over your shoulder? But the point is, is that your performance doesn't unlock God's power. Jesus' performance unlocks God's power and your faith in that performance. And this is what he's trying to say. So we have everything we need in life and godliness through the power, through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory. It's through these that He has given us His great and precious promises so that through the promise, you may participate in the divine nature and have escaped the corruption of this earth. So we're going to finish now. What God is, what the Bible saying, what Peter's saying here is what Jesus told him, is what God the Father told him was you as a human being can participate in the divine nature by knowing the promise, holding on to the promise, having the knowledge and having the faith that when Jesus says what He says, that you actually believe it and you stand in it and you receive from Him the gift that He's given you the salvation of your souls. But that's only the beginning. From there, He's trying to empower a body, His body, to go out and do likewise for others. And in that journey, you're going to have to heal some people. You're going to have to help some people. There's going to be impossible things to do. And that's why they want you to participate in the divine nature, to do things that you as a human being can't do. That is what the book of Acts is about. And remember, the book of Acts is about you, the body of Christ. Father God, we thank you that we can participate in your divine nature through knowledge, wisdom and understanding, through your power. But you have given us your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we're lacking nothing. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. We accept that now. We, Lord God, take our captives' thought that anything that would come against us, that we don't deserve it or we don't, we're not up to it and all of that stuff that comes against us and we bring it into the obedience of Christ that says we belong, that we're heirs, that the fullness of the deity dwells in us. And we praise you, Lord God, for what you have already done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.